Last week, Pastor Jason uh, was speaking about our third core value, which was the cultivation of maturity, in that it is our desire and it's important to us that we structure everything we do here at Belmont in such a way so that it can promote spiritual growth in all of our lives. We're not interested in just feeling good. We want to encounter God. We want to uh, do things that stimulate us to get after God and to pursue God in such a way that we see all of us grow. And he talked about how there's some basic things that we all need in our lives to experience that, that maturity, and that's prayer. He talked briefly about how we need to read our Bible, how we need this thing called fellowship, which is the building of relationships one with another. And then he focused more about this other word called accountability and how we need people in our lives that love us enough to help us navigate the things of God so that we are held accountable. We have somebody that loves us enough to ask us the hard questions that we need answered sometimes. And all of these help us to, to grow spiritually, to become more like Jesus Christ. And there's another experience that we all need. There's an experience that you and I cannot live without if we are going to be mature believers, if we're going to continue to grow and become more like Christ. In the book of Isaiah, this is where my thoughts come from, in the 43rd chapter, I'm looking at beginning at verse 14. Listen to God's word. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they're so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It is nothing. Come on, say nothing with me. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Gracious Father, we come before you in this moment so mindful, God, that I have nothing to offer anybody in this room, Lord. 
Lord, what we desperately need is your presence. As we've been singing, your presence is what makes all the difference in all of our lives, God. It's your spirit that quickens everything that I say and makes it into the living word, transforms it into the living word of God that penetrates every heart, every mind. And that's what we look to right now, God. Lead, guide me in everything you want me to say and all that you want us to do, God. We pray all this so that the name that's above every other name might receive all the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone set? Okay, so now, just so that you understand, at this moment in time, the nation of Israel is in bondage once again. They're in Babylon. And while they're there, God uses the prophet Isaiah now to declare a word to them, and he begins by reminding them that he was their creator. He was the one that chose them to be his very own people. He was the one that led them out of the first bondage they were in, which was in Egypt. He was the one that parted the Red Sea and caused the ground, the sand, to be dry so that they could walk through it. He was the one that caused the Egyptian army to chase after them. And so that and when they were in the middle of the sea, then he would close, close the water on them, destroying the entire Egyptian army. God was reminding his people, I did all that. And as powerful, as awesome as that first deliverance was, he told them to forget it because it would not compare to what he was about to do. And so now he's saying, I'm going to do something new. Something that he already had started. And notice he said, don't you see it? We're talking about this year being our, our theme of 2020, seeing clearly. And God is approaching his people and saying, don't you see what I have already begun doing? Now remember, they're, they're in bondage in Babylon. They didn't see it because literally they had been in there for such a long time. Years had gone by while they were in, in, in bondage there in Babylon. And this, don't you see, this expression literally means in Hebrew, won't you believe and receive it? God is telling his people, I'm going to do something new. Something that is so powerful, you're going to forget that first deliverance that I did for you. I'm going to make a pathway through the wilderness, meaning from getting back from Babylon to, to the nation of Israel, to the country of Israel. He said, I'm going to create a path through that wilderness. I'm going to create rivers in the dry wasteland so that you can be refreshed on this journey. In other words, God is saying, not only am I going to deliver you, but I'm going to direct you through that deliverance, and I'm going to provide for you through that deliverance. This second deliverance would far exceed the first deliverance. Now, let me make the connection, as I like to do with all of us here today. This first deliverance, the, the, the freedom from the bondage of Egypt, it symbolizes the salvation of believers today. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart 
that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. Now, what does that mean? It means this. All of us are born with this sinful nature. None of us are born little angels. Come on, look at your neighbor. Tell them you certainly weren't born a little angel. Many of us are still not little angels, right? We're all born with this sinful nature, which means it's natural for you and I to sin. We should not be surprised that sin comes so easily to us. And so we're all born a separator from God who is holy. And so we're born with this inner emptiness in our soul that was created by God, for God, and it's empty because of this sin factor. But because God loved us so much, the Bible tells us that God made a way for that uh, deliverance of our sin. God made a way through his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary, uh, where he was sacrificed there for the sins of the world. And the apostle John is saying, if you believe that and confess, so notice there has to be some kind of verbal confession, confession and you embrace Jesus as your Lord, you will be saved. Your name will be written in God's book of life. You have the, the Spirit of God come and dwell in your heart now, and for the first time in your life, you know what it is to sense wholeness in your life. There's no longer an emptiness in your life. You are now born again, as the expression goes, or saved. And once we're saved, then we begin this thing called the Christian journey. Or the Christian life, the process of maturing, right? But here's the problem. All of us enter into this journey with baggage. Every single one of us comes into the Christian relationship imperfect, with flaws, in our character, in our attitudes, and all the kind of dealing with all kind of issues. We bring all of these baggage in this journey. Not only that, while we're on this journey, there are times that because we make poor choices, we also now create an environment whereby even though we are saved, we become once again in bondage, a slave. But this time, not to Egypt, but to Babylon, to Babylon. You see, Babylon represents Christians who are saved. We've embraced Jesus as our Savior. We love Jesus. This is not a question of whether you're saved. It's not a question whether you love Jesus or not. But what happens is I'm saved, but I'm still not totally free to serve God the way I'd like to serve God. There are things happening in my life that have held me captive and keeping me from maturing the way God would want me to mature. We can be saved and yet be captive by a habit that we can't break. Where we, we're dealing with pornography and it just has its grips in our heart. And this is not a question of effort because the more you try, the harder it seems to break this thing in your life. Some of us can be a, a slave or held captive by gambling or, or alcohol or cutting ourselves. There are all kinds of uh, uh, actions that we can be participating in. And again, let me stress, this is not a question of of whether you're saved or not. Yeah. 
Some people may think, but how could Christians do that? We can do that because we come into this journey imperfect. We come into this journey with baggage. And, and people think that once you're a Christian, you're supposed to be all of a sudden, poof, God does make his waves, his magic wand. There is no thing as a magic wand, but God waves his magic But people think that, hey, you're a Christian, boom, there you are. You're Mr. Perfect now. But we're, none of us is perfect. We all have our flaws. We all have things that we deal with, baggage that we bring in. We're saved, but some of us are controlled by a destructive emotion or an attitude. Some of us come into the Christian journey full of anger, full of hatred because of something that transpired in the past that we just can't let go of. Some of us enter this Christian journey with such a low self-esteem. We, we, we don't feel that we're worth anything, and therefore we, we, we have these destructive emotions and attitudes all geared because of something that transpired in our life that maybe we had no control over, but here we are. And we said yes to Jesus, and, and, and yet it's still, that thing is still there in our lives. We can be saved, love Jesus, and be stuck in spiritual mediocrity. By that I mean this. We come to church regularly, faithfully, but we just know I'm not in the place I, I desire to be and that I ought to be, and I just can't seem to make any progress. I just can't seem to have that breakthrough that we've been, we were just singing about. I, I, I don't know what it is with my life, but I, 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 you talk about uh, reading your Bible, Pastor, but I try and nothing seems to happen. I don't seem to get it. I don't seem to get what everybody's uh, so ecstatic about. And, and I've never been into that place where, where we just can't uh, worship. And I don't even want to talk about serving God or being in ministry because I, I don't know what to do. And it's not out of a desire of not wanting, it's not knowing, and, and just feeling stuck, wondering year after year, is it ever going to be any different? Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. Again, it's not that you don't love Jesus, but you just, this maturity thing is far from you because you just feel like you've never made any progress. And you can't understand why. You can be this way for such a long time that it gets to the point where you start to believe that it was never going to be any other way. And if you can relate to that, and I want you to listen to what God is saying to all of us here today. The Lord is about to do something new. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him that God's about to do something new. And here's the phenomenal thing about the statement God is saying. God said, I'm going to do something new. Something that's going to be so spectacular that you're going to forget about your first deliverance. Now remember, the first deliverance is when we were saved. When we say yes, the first time we say yes to Jesus. And the Lord is saying, what I'm going to do now in your life is going to far exceed what I 
first did when you first said yes to me. It's going to be so powerful. It's going to be so dynamic, so awesome. And so God is saying, here's the deal. You need to forget what I've done in the past. I'm going to do something new. I'm going to make a pathway through your wilderness. Listen, it's hard to believe that somehow, what do you mean, Christians in the wilderness? Yeah, we could be in that, in that place where we found, I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm not sure where to go. I feel like everybody got it their act together, but I don't have my act together. That's why I'm, I'm in a spiritual wilderness. And God is saying, don't worry about it. I'm going to do something new. I'm going to create a pathway in your wilderness. In other words, God's saying, what I'm going to do is I'm going to shine my light. And all of a sudden, you are going to see very clearly where I want you to walk, what I want you to do. Not only that, but in this pathway, I'm also going to create rivers in your wasteland. Have you ever feel as a Christian like you're dry? Yes. It's like everybody around you feels like they're on fire for God. And you're like, eh. Come on, I'm, I'm being ultra transparent with you this morning. Listen, this can affect anybody, beginning with the pastors. You can come to church week after week, sing all the songs. Do everything physically right and still be dry inside. Feel like a wasteland. And you wonder, what in the world is going on, God? You, you can say, I, I, used, I remember when I used to be on fire for God, when the Bible oh, it was like a fire every time I opened it up. Now it's like, where is that spark? I don't even see a little match anywhere. A wasteland. A dry riverbed. And God is saying, not only am I going to make a way through out of that wilderness, but I'm going to provide rivers for you to refresh you. There's a refreshing coming from God that you've never experienced before in your life, you see. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. In that wilderness, you, you're not sure where you go. All of a sudden, when God begins to do something new, here's the beginning of something new. You are going to hear the voice of God like you've never heard the voice of God. It'll be so, so clear to you that you're going to think like, is somebody behind me? But you'll know in your spirit, God's talking to me. And then the Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 21, verse 25, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. God is going to refresh us with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You see, what I'm getting at here this morning, what the Lord wants us to all see is that there's a second deliverance we all need in order to mature. The first deliverance is when we initially say yes to Jesus Christ and embrace him as our Savior. But then in this Christian journey, you will never, ever mature as a child of God if, unless you experience these second deliverances. And every one of us in this room needs second deliverances. This is not, I don't care if you've been saved 20 years, you still need a second deliverance. 
because there are seasons in our life, whether because of baggage we bring into the journey or poor choices we make while we're on the journey where we find ourselves once again in bondage. And God is saying to us there, notice there's nothing here of God's judgment. There's nothing said here about God telling his people, you're there because you deserve to be there. You're there because of the choices that you make. You're there, and there's none of that. God is coming along. This is all a matter of God's grace. It's all a matter of God's mercy. God is about to do something that has nothing to do with you and I making him promises to do better or to try harder. It has nothing to do with we've earned it. God is coming and saying, I see my people that are in bondage. I see my people that haven't made that progress that they desire to make. And so I'm going to come with this second deliverance to bring you through. It has nothing to do with you or I, but on God who is good and merciful. Now, having said that, there are two things you and I need to understand. The first one is this. We need to forget the past. And by notice I put in parentheses salvation. And people say, whoa, 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 forget my salvation? Listen to what I'm talking about. When we say forget the past, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be grateful for our salvation. In fact, you see the communion table set up. We're going to end this service by taking communion, which is just an outward symbol, sacrament saying, we remember what it took to purchase our salvation, to deliver us the first time. So this is not what we're talking about. But here's what it means. It means that we should never accept our current situation simply because we are saved. In other words, well, I got a lot of baggage. I haven't made any progress, but at least I'm saved. And I thank God for that. That is defeatist mentality. That is the acceptance and the, and, the, and the focusing on our first deliverance. And God is saying to us, you need to forget the past. Meaning, that should not be your focus. Don't let being saved be your only testimony. Listen, you, if you say, I said yes to Jesus in 1975, and that's wonderful. But if that's all you can say in the year 2020, then you've been in bondage. There, there are testimonies we should be able to say, I was once in Babylon. This thing once controlled me, but God did a work in my life. God came through the way he came through the day I was saved. God set me free. God broke that thing in my life. God came through. There was a breakthrough in my life. The Christian journey is about breakthroughs. Now, this message today is about the second deliverances, but the second deliverances happens once, twice, three times, ten times, twenty times. Because we're in this journey until the Lord returns. Or we go into ground, whichever one comes first. And during this journey, I love what the Bible says. The good work God began in you, he will continue until the day of Jesus Christ. But how does God continue that work? He continues it 
by often bringing us to the place where we recognize I'm in Babylon. There's something that I'm in bondage to again. There's something happening in my life that shouldn't be there, that is keeping me from getting to where God wants me to be. And when we see that, then we are positioned now to say, God, I, wanna, I want more of a testimony than just being saved. I want testimony that, of your delivering power in my life over and over and over again. So that's number one. We need to forget the past. Number two, we need to see the new. Notice that God said, I'm doing something new. Don't you see it? In other words, we need to let God's declaration of what he will do take possession of our mind and our hearts to believe that thing. You don't see the new if you're fixated on the old. If all you see is your salvation and nothing more, you'll never see the new thing God wants to do. You see, you'll never believe it. If all we see is where we're at, we'll never see where God wants us to be. We'll never believe that God wants to even bring us there. That's why God was telling his people, don't you see what I'm doing? I've already started it. Now, the children of Israel could easily say, but wait a second, we're still here. What do you mean you've already started it? God's word had begun going forth. And God's word, the Bible says, never returns back void. It always accomplishes what he set it out to do. So God had already begun the working. And the thing is, sometimes I think for us, the difficulty is we tend to feel that God's breakthrough is for someone else and not for us. We tend to start thinking, that's wonderful what God did in Pastor Joey's life. I can see the change and all those wonderful things. But that's Pastor Joey. God's not going to do that for me. You see, if we're focusing on that that's negative attitude that we feel we don't deserve or warrant any, for God to do anything, let me shine a light on you. You're right. None of us deserve God to do anything for us. This is not about whether you deserve it or not. This is about God's goodness and his mercy, right? So we need to, we need to look uh, uh, with clear eyes here today and recognize we need to stop believing the lies that God is not going to do that thing because he doesn't do it for people like us. No, no. We're all candidates for this second deliverance. We're all candidates for God to come in and do something new, something so incredible that it's going to blow us away. Listen to what the Bible says in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. The Lord replied, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. I can remember there was a time, I'm going way back now, the very first time that God told me in a prayer meeting that he was going to make me a pastor, bring me into the ministry. I didn't believe that. Can't be. No way, no how. I'm Charlie. By the way, my given name is Carlos, but I grew up 
with the uh, nickname Charlie. No one in my family ever calls me Carlos. Uh, I grew up with Charlie because at that time, there was a, an old record called Charlie Brown, He's a Clown. <laughs> this is the true story. And I got labeled Charlie Brown, or, or Charlie, because I, I'm the clown of the family. So it was just something that I felt could never happen. Can't be. See, if God were to tell you right now, this is what I'm going to do in your life. This is the something new. You're like, no way, God. No way. I, I can't believe that you would do that, God. In a, in, a, in a way that it's so awesome that we feel, there's no way that can happen. And we forget. God said, wait, wait. Didn't I just tell you that I'm your creator? Didn't I just say that I'm the one who delivered you the first time? Didn't I just say that I'm your king? Can I not do whatever I please to do? Can I not use you the way I want to use you? Can I not bring you where I want to bring you? See, there are people in this room that God wants to release to do incredible things. Things that your own family won't believe. My father never believed that I would be a pastor. He's like, you? This is true, another one, true story. He's like, you? You can't be a pastor. I was like, well... That's what I told God. <laughs> and there were times where after I became a pastor, my dad would come to me because, again, uh, people may think that I'm super serious because of what you see on this platform, but what you don't see is how I am when I'm with my family. And there are times where I can go overboard and fooling around. Forget that witness that you just got from my wife. That, don't listen to her. And one day, I was making my sister's life miserable. Because that's what brothers are supposed to do, right? Yeah. And my father looked at me and said, I can't believe you're a pastor. And I said, I can't believe it either. Still there. That's why I am. See, God chooses the foolish things. That's what I told him. But what I'm saying here is God is telling us, you can't imagine the things that I've prepared for you. You, you can't compute in your mind where I want to bring you to. That's why I don't, I, I love that you are celebrating your salvation. That's wonderful. But you can't stay there. If you stay in your, just celebrating your salvation, you won't see the incredible things that I'm doing, the new thing that I'm doing in your life so that you can get beyond your salvation. When you do that, man, things begin to happen.